Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Warning. The following podcast, which contains strong language and mature content, is unsuitable for children or for the faint of heart. The subject matter discussed will be frightening and graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. When you want to hear about the paranormal, you get the spooked girls. True crime that makes you hypothermal with the three spooked girls. Stabby snippets will give you dreams. Tara and Jessica will make you. Hey Spooksters and welcome back to another episode here on Three Spooked Girls. My name is Tara and as always I am here with my ghoul friend Jessica. Hello. Hello. And today we are bringing you another true crime episode. And this is one I kind of looked into a bit for my YouTube channel that I was doing for a while. But as you guys know, I have a new grown-up job, so the YouTube channel is just not really a thing anymore, and I'm very sorry about that. But anyways, so if you are new here, hello, welcome. Thank you for checking out the show. This is not going to go anywhere because literally, oh my God, it's September, so we will be turning four in just a couple weeks, which is fucking crazy. That, <laughs> I literally had that thought today at work. My coworker's daughter is wanting to start a podcast, and I was mm-hmm. like, oh my God, it's almost four years. I know. That's crazy, right? Ugh. But anyways, so if you are new here, hello, welcome, returning spooksters, welcome back. And if you are new and you would like to hang out with us on social media, we have a handy dandy link tree in the show notes that you can check out for all things us. Or you can go to Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the handle at Three Spooked Girls. And we have two Facebook groups that are for everybody. You can go to Three Spooked Girls Official, which is like the home for the spooksters. So definitely go in there if you're not like the fuck you doing we have secret satan under the way and we as of like yes in real time for us as of like yesterday or so we already surpassed what we had for participants from last year which is fucking crazy it is i can't remember what day ashley and kelly are closing it but go check the group if you haven't signed up and you want to like hurry up it's gonna be closing soon sometime i don't remember Secret Satan is like, in my opinion, it's <gasps> way best. better than Secret Santa because it's like all spooky stuff. And like, if you have a friend who listens, sign them up. Mm-hmm, they will not be mm-hmm. disappointed because, you know, I believe it's like $20 and you, mm-hmm. it's kind of like the Just average. all the Halloween spooky stuff. Yeah. yeah. And you get to go and do fun things. Every year I'm like, I'm going to do an amazing box. And then I forget. And then I just like <laughs> packed. 
mean, I get cool stuff, but like. <laughs> You're like, shit. <laughs> but I always like want to be that like extra Pinterest girl who's like, you know, the inside is. yeah, Yes, you. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> you and Kelly. The inside is like all wrapped and everything, and I'm, I'm just yeah. Like, I'm gonna try really hard this year, guys. I'm gonna try. <laughs> good, but yeah, it's such a good fucking time. Like, go sign up, do it. It's fun. Honestly, this is just me thinking out loud, but it can stay in here, CK. It's fine. What if you guys can let me know what you think? What if instead of doing like a secret Santa, we did another book exchange or another mug exchange? Because I know you guys liked that. And I feel like that's a little more doable during the holidays because, like, you know, everybody's got to worry about all the shit they're buying for people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that old tradition of, like, reading scary stories during Christmas time. I do really I like, like the fun. mug exchange. Like, I'm going to vote that yeah. one because, you know, it's fun. And, right? And, you know, I'm pretty sure I lost my, the last one I did in our divorce. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Because he loved the mug, so I was like... <laughs> Just be like, no, Thomas, I'm taking this. <laughs> my mug is fine. No, I took, oh, like, all the mugs. Yeah. He probably was like, can I have this one? He's like, I'm taking this one. This Thank one you. mug. You, you have took 50. 92 <laughs> other mugs. That happened to mine, too. It's okay. <laughs> I was like, I'm taking all of these. Goodbye. <laughs> Anyways, right. so, yeah, let me... You guys let us know what you think of that. Yeah, I think that would be kind of like, you know, more doable. Because I know like sometimes like last year, like people ran into issues where like they wanted to sign up but couldn't because of that. Because obviously, you know, everyone's got all the gifts to buy for everybody. But yeah. So that's why you should sign up for Secret Satan. Yes. That's like the main event. Yeah. So if you do Secret Satan, then it's (laughs) like you get the box of goodies. But then then you can also sign up for Book Exchange in the later months. We could do like a book and a mug. So yeah, let us know. Yeah. But anyways, yeah, we try to do stuff every so often. And there's a lot of cool stuff that happens in there. And a lot of times when we, Jessica and I have announcements, we tell that place first because it's one of our favorite. It It is our favorite corner of the internet. So, you know. It is my favorite corner of the internet. Our uh, spooksters in there definitely find out about that first. But anyways, okay, moving on. If you would like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash three spooked girls. For as little as a dollar, you get one bonus episode a month, five and up. You get ad free episodes a day before. So you get the releases early. So if you're a five and up patron, you had access to this episode on Sunday. And also we were working on getting our lives back in order because Jessica and I have had very trying personal lives the last year. So Haunted Grounds will be coming back for Five and Up patrons. Slaughters will be coming back for Five and Up patrons. So yeah, all kinds of cool content coming your way if you would like to check that out. But yeah, I think that's really all I have. So, okay, I said this off recording to Jessica. So as you guys can see by the title, there are two names in the subject. And so that means there's technically going to be two cases that intertwine. Okay, so we are going to start out with Jessica Chambers. So Jessica was born on February 2nd, 1995 to Ben Allen Chambers Sr. and Lisa Lynn Daughtry Chambers in Clarksdale, Mississippi. Now, Jessica, and now here's the thing before you be like, holy shit, a lot of siblings. I don't know for sure if her parents were still together or if they, you know, went their own ways or what have you, or if they're just one big happy family. Who knows? I don't know because I couldn't find it. I tried. Jessica had three sisters. She had a sister named Ashley, Annabelle, and Amanda, a.k.a. AJ. 
And then she also had three brothers named Christopher, Brandon, and Stephen. Now, Jessica was from a super tiny town, smaller than my hometown, Jess. So she was from Cortland, Mississippi, and the population was 500 people. It's closer to my hometown. (laughs) Yeah, very, very tiny. And Jessica, growing up, she was a cheerleader. She was popular. She had lots of aspirations in her life. She wanted to become an RN as she moved into adulthood. And at the time of her death, she worked at a clothing store called Goodies in Batesville, Mississippi. And that was just like, for your context, it's like Corning to Chico type of situation. Got it. Yeah. And it was a department store. She was 19 years old. Now, it was noted in some sources that she was known to sell drugs from time to time, but it wasn't like anything. Her death had nothing to do with that. She did have an arrest on her record, but literally nobody in town, none of that crowd had any issues with her. No beef, no nothing. And, you know, like I said, she was very well liked by everybody. Everybody loved her. Everyone liked her. With that said, though, her life was cut short. So on December 6, 2014, there was two men named LaTroy Rudd and Glenn Williams. They found a car on fire and called 911 at 8 p.m. that night. And as first responders were putting out the fire from the vehicle, they see this figure come out of the woods and they see it's a woman just in her underwear. And they had no idea who she was because she was completely unrecognizable as 80 to 90 percent of her body was severely burnt. This woman was Jessica. And according to first responders, she had said, help me, and then eventually managed to be able to say her first name and, quote, he set me on fire. (sighs) Between first responders, there have been many of them who said when they asked who, her response was either Eric or Derek. But because of the severity of her injuries, she was very hard to understand. And this would be debated later on because her airway burns almost closed her throat and then her lips and tongue were just like so parched because of her inhaling the gasoline-fueled fire and all the fumes that come from that. Mm. And there was also the fact that in the ambulance, another first responder who was in there, he did an interview and he said that he said, or he asked her, did Eric do this to you? And in court later on, she replied what sounded like no. So it's kind of like debated on back and forth what was what she was actually saying and all of that. So first responders took Jessica to Memphis Hospital for treatment where they discovered she had chronic thermal burns. And thermal burns are skin injuries that are caused by excessive heat, typically from, you know, hot. it's pretty common. This can happen from hot surfaces, hot liquids, steam, or flame. And they can cause, you know, local injuries to the skin. And if they are extremely severe, like in her case, and they consider greater than 20% of your body surface to be severe. And like I said, she was 80 to 90. So she was extremely severe. This causes a systematic response to the body, meaning in her case, her organs begin to shut down and her family. They came to the hospital and Lisa, her mom, sat with her in her room and she, I watched an interview with her. She said she told her daughter that if it was too hard to fight, that it was okay and she needed to let go, like she could be at rest. 
And shortly after that, at 2.37 a.m., Jessica was pronounced dead. It's amazing how, like, when people do that, like, that's something I've thought about a lot is the whole family or someone important to them saying, like, just Mm -hmm. go, like, we'll be okay, and then they go. And it might be because I've just, I power watched all of Grey's Anatomy the last two months. (laughs) But like, that's a major thing. Because like, that was a big part of like, when my dad passed, it was like, you know, my stepmom told him like, it's okay to go. And then he did. And so I don't know, that's just, sorry to share that weird little thing that's just been plaguing my mind. But like, it's amazing how powerful that is. Yeah. And I feel like that's came up a few more than once in listener stories and too, and it involves like a family member dying and things like that too. Mm-hmm. So I, I completely agree with that. So after Jessica's passing, authorities began to investigate, obviously. Authorities, they looked into every Eric, Derek, and even a man named Jarek in the area and the nearby counties. Can you imagine being Jarek? I mean, like, uh, <laughs> You're like, God damn it. <laughs> You're like, I don't even know this person. <laughs> Uh, But they looked into everybody, right? And while they're doing their investigation, what was crazy? Oh, actually, it wasn't even authorities that found this. So there was a man walking with his kid in in the stroller, and they found her keys in a ditch 18 miles from the crime scene. And so, you know, it obviously made them be like, did someone ditch these? Did someone throw these? Like, what? How did this? 18 miles is a lot. Right especially considering her car and her were on fire, you know, and they were sent for DNA testing. There really wasn't much else about that. So with her case, federal agents did become involved. So local authorities were like, no, we need we need more help with this. Right. And so once the FBI was involved, they got a warrant for her cell phone records. Interesting, though, they only pulled records for 24 hours before her death. I'm like, "Mm, that's not that long, but okay. And when they started looking into like her phone and her contacts, social media, all of that, there was no Eric or Derek in her phone at all. But there were two Eric's on her Facebook. So they looked into them. Dead ends. Nothing. They were cleared. But Jessica did have a boyfriend at the time. His name was Travis Sanford and he was in prison. And authorities looked into this because they were like, well, could he have thought she was being unfaithful to him and put like, you know, he kind of ran with a tough crowd. Like, did he put a hit out on her? You know, that kind of thing. Nope, he didn't. Another another dead end. Like they looked into it and like they said they even said the people that interviewed him, they were like his when they told him she was murdered, like that grief, they were just like, that was 100 percent genuine. See, I have the opposite thought. It wasn't that he did it. It was that somebody was trying to get to him and he was like, whatever. And then they killed her, his girlfriend because yeah. retaliation. Yeah, that's true, too. But nothing. No, mm. nothing with that. So, of course, at this point, they're like, all right, let's look into who she was with the day she died because it was obviously evening when she was discovered, right? So they found out that she was with a man named Quentin Tellis. And cell phone pings coming in clutch, as they usually do. This confirmed that they were together. But when you know it, he lied about that multiple times before he finally admitted, yes, he was with her that day. Now, Quentin, he was part of a gang. And so they looked into that, kind of like what you were saying. They're like, okay, maybe there's something going on. Maybe somebody did it to get at him. Who knows? 
But no, literally, like the gang leaders in the area, in the whole county, in Polona County, they came forward and actually talked to police. And they were like, no, it was either no, we didn't even know who she was. Or if they did know her, they're like, same as everybody else. They're like, no, we had no problem with her. Like, we like her. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. like, nothing. Now, Quentin changed his story on what happened that day multiple times. We would have a lot of inconsistencies. Shocker. (laughs) With that, he did tell authorities eventually that he slept with her one time, allegedly a few weeks before her death. And he even describes like the area it happened in, in the vehicle, blah, 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 all of that. But authorities aren't dumb. They see he's lying left and right and there's inconsistencies, right? And one of the biggest ones that really was like bling, bling, you know, like the fucking ringing the alarms was that he said that night he was with a guy named Big Mike Sanford. And they're like, all right, we're going to talk to Big Mike. And then even when he testified in court, he said that he was in Nashville that night at a Tennessee Titans game. So they looked into phone records and receipts and he was at the fucking football game. And guess who wasn't with him? Quentin. Oh, shit. Yes. So, thankfully, authorities, they decided to look into his phone records as well, along with Jessica's, obviously, and security footage from the surrounding area so they could try to paint a picture of what actually happened because he was obviously full of shit. So, I have some timestamps on what happened this day. Okay, so here we are, morning of December 6th, right? Jessica and Quentin spent some of the morning together. They were riding around in a vehicle that was driven by Quentin in Cortland. So they're in town. Jessica then spent most of the early afternoon at home and connects with Quentin after waking up from a nap. Flash forward to 4.32 p.m. And she tells him via text that she will go get something to eat with him if he'll pay for it. You do you, girl. I'm there. I subscribe. And then about a half an hour later, so right before five o'clock, There's a 33-second phone conversation between the two. Half an hour after that, at 5.29 p.m., both cameras and phone records show Jessica making a call to him, and she pulls out of M&M, which was like a gas station convenience store type of thing, and heads south down US 51. And he calls her back at 5.34, and this is the last call he will make for the next 48 minutes. He told authorities in a... In, a, in an interview in January of 2016 that he was calling her to come pick him up. And then by 6 p.m., her phone pings show that she is on her way to Batesville, which I mentioned earlier as that nearby town. Between 6.04 and 6.11 that night, her phone shifts to the towers that cover the area of Batesville. That includes Taco Bell, which is where Quentin had said that they ate dinner. And during this time, she continues to try to reach out to one of her friends named Kesha Meyer who was with them earlier in the day when they were riding around town, like in Cortland. And she often tried to reach out to her, but Kesha was out of minutes on her phone, so there was no connection. Then at 6.17, Quentin calls his sister, and the cell phone data shows them leaving Taco Bell and heading back south. And between this time, the phone switched towers during the call, and it's the only call or text by Quentin between 5.34 and 7.42 p.m. Then at 6.30, the cell data shows that they arrive back in town, back in Cortland at this time. And Quentin had said that they showed that they went back to his house. His mom's white suburban is at the house at this time. 
And the area where he admits to investigators that he had sex with her is right behind the house. But it can't be seen from the house, if that makes sense. Like, it's blocked. And her phone kind of confirms this because it was registering just south of Eminem, which is the same area that he was talking about, basically. So it's like, okay, this all makes sense so far. He also told investigators during this time that they were smoking weed in her car. Now, go forward a little bit to 648. This is the last phone call she makes to her mom, and this lasts just over a minute. And her mom said that there was no background noise, no music, which she thought was kind of weird, but obviously was like, whatever. But she was like, oh, she's probably with somebody. Because that's typically the only time that there wasn't like, you know, like, because if she drove around with her radio on and stuff, like she would still call her mom. She didn't care if it was on. But if she was with somebody, you know, she'd turn it down. And Quentin confirmed this because he said that the two of them were together at this point. So everything's lining up right now. Then by 7.30, her cell phone pings go west, like way, way west of town. And then she's on the scene where she would be found. This would put her on Heron Road. And this is where they found her and the vehicle. Twelve minutes later, Quentin leaves a voicemail on Jessica's phone. Then he follows up with a text that says, quote, Bay, my friend is coming over tonight. I'll call you tomorrow. Good night, sweet dreams. End quote. And then at 8.04, her phone has the last communication with cell phone towers that it will ever have. They say that this is the point when it obviously got too hot by the fire and turned off, melted, what have you. And then so that puts us three minutes later when those two men I mentioned earlier, they called 911 when they saw the car. And responders were very, very quick. They literally got there two minutes later. Yeah, if you hear a car is on fire, the first available person is going to it. Mm -hmm. So this all happened with just a mere like less than four hours. So once I got all this figured out, they were like, okay, we don't know why, but he obviously fucking did this, right? Because he was the only one with her. Mm -hmm. So Quentin would be arrested. And he was charged in the murder of Jessica in February of 2016. And he went to trial in October of 2017, which honestly, that's kind of fast. Yeah. Like it, at first you're probably like, damn, a year over a year. But like, no, that's actually kind of fast. So basically, the prosecution went over all of this information that I just told you guys. And along with the fact they brought up that when he was told by authorities about Jessica's death, he was just he had like no reaction. He's just like, OK, interesting. And they were like, hmm, that's weird, considering you were just with her right before, but okay. And also during this, when the then Department of Justice analyst, Paul Rowlett, was on the stand, he confirmed that Quentin deleted texts from Jessica from his phone and all of that and deleted all the calls, everything. So that's because he didn't think that if it wasn't on the phone, it wouldn't be in his records. I mean, a lot of people do that because they're fucking dumb, but I'm like, yes, think that's going to solve your problems because they'll fucking find out, ho. Mm -hmm. But, you know, but then there was like this other guy. So the defense tried to focus in on some Eric guy. I it's obviously bullshit. So I was like, whatever. But they were trying to be like, he's the one that should be on a trial. Quentin doesn't even sound like Eric. Da, 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 da. But it's like, 
okay, that's what they thought they heard her say, but she was so fucking injured, like, she wasn't having clear speech. I mean, she could have been saying, like, I can't get air or, Mm -hmm. like, wreck, Rick. Yes. It could have been a number of things. It literally, she was, like, like 90% of her body was fourth degree thermal burns. Fucking horrific. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like, there's no way she was going to talk clearly. I'm sorry. I mean, at that point, she's not. not having cognitive brain function. Right. Exactly. And like maybe one of the responders looked like someone she knew named like Eric or Derek. And she mm-hmm. was just like, he did Help. it. And then was like, oh, yeah. Eric or Derek. Like, you know, like yeah. relieved that he that he saw someone that she saw someone she knew. Like, there could be something like that, too. Right, exactly. And being like that severely injured, like you said, the the whole cognitive thing, like, we don't even know like how she was perceiving anything at that point. You know what I mean? Right. It's just fucking horrible. But the jury could not get over this Eric Derek thing. So it was a hung jury. Mm. So in 2018, in October of 2018, a year later, they went back to court and the prosecution's like, we're fucking doing this shit again. Fuck this shit. You're not getting away with this, right? So this time they added an expert witness to talk about the airway burns and all of that. They also brought in a witness who said that she picked up Quentin that night and gave him a ride and that it was like obviously after the attack on Jessica and she said that he seemed really nervous and sweaty and that's not like him. Like it was really sketch, right? But this fucking Eric and Derek thing struck again. So we had another hung jury. Jesus fucking Christ. And the prosecution has put out statements that they don't know if they will bring this case to court again. Because it's kind of like, are we going to keep getting this shit over and over? You know what I mean? Until they have something else, which I'm like, what else? Why don't do they we pull a Melendez and, you know get that taken out right exactly i don't know because if you if you take away the the eric Derek part then you're left with facts and Mm -hmm. the facts say that he was with her so if like in the melendez cases they the prosecution they got a judge to Mm -hmm. say that they couldn't talk about any of like the like the sexual abuse that happened so that's Mm -hmm. Regardless of how you feel about those two, that's what basically like took away the hung jury. This would be the same thing. Right. And from my understanding, they do have they've brought in some other agents and authorities that have kind of like taken over this case. So they're they're kind of like, well, we're going to get into another case here in a second without spoiling. They're letting they're letting that this this other one I'm going to talk about in a few minutes play out before they move forward with this one, if that makes sense. Now, the heartbreaking thing is her mother, Lisa, died last year on October 29th. Oh, no. And that's just always so heartbreaking when these parents, these family members, you know, these loved ones, they die and they they don't get to see justice for the victim. Mm-hmm. It, it sucks. It fucking sucks. And also her boyfriend, Travis, he's dead, too. What? He was killed. He was killed during a dice game in March of 2019. In a dice game? I'm assuming in prison. Okay. No, no. I I misheard. I didn't know if you said ice or dice. No, I said dice. Yeah. Because, you know, I don't know what ice games are. 
<laughs> Me either. And the Mississippi Bureau of Investigation agent that was on this, Tim Douglas, he was one of the lead investigators. He has retired since then. And ATF agent Scott Meadows, who was another lead in the investigation, has been transferred out of state. So people who were like originally on it are taken off. They've It's like they've either retired, they've been transferred elsewhere, all of that. But from my understanding, they are they are trying to bring in other people to take a look at this, which is just so sad. And the person who found her keys, his name was Jerry King, he was killed last July when his ATV was rear-ended by a county deputy. The fuck? Yeah. So, pff, fucking ridiculous. Obviously, it's kind of like a lot of people, when they think about or when they, you know, reflect on Jessica's case, they're like, it's great we have new eyes on it. We obviously know the fucking answer, but this is unfinished. She has not received justice, right? Exactly. And like I have mentioned, this is not where our story is going to end because there is another case with another victim that is intertwined in this. So there is a woman named Ming Chen Shouao, a.k.a. Mandy, and she was a 34-year-old graduate student at the University of Louisiana at Monroe. And she was studying education, and she was very well-loved. She always gave back. She was said she passed out candy to the neighborhood kids a lot and things like that. Like, she was a really good person, right? Now, she was brutally murdered as well. She was said to be cut and stabbed more than 30 times. Some of those wounds were shallow and just there to inflict pain upon her. And this occurred inside her apartment, and the motivation for this was because the person wanted to get her PIN number or her PIN for her debit card. And police found her body 10 days after she was murdered when a neighbor called in for a well check because there had been no movement, no activity at her apartment and they were concerned. And wouldn't you know, Mandy and Quentin knew each other. It's not confirmed if they had a romantic relationship, friend relationship, something different. But Video footage showed them together at a Walmart the day before they believed she was murdered. And of course, so that means they questioned Quentin. He had said that they went to Walmart because they were picking up Mandy's prescription for a painkiller called Lortab, a.k.a. Hydrocodone, a narcotic. And he said he was with her because he had purchased them from her after she picked up her prescription. Okay. And... Once they started talking to neighbors and things like that, they said in the days leading up to her death, there was one particular neighbor that said she saw Quentin coming and going from Mandy's apartment at least three different times. And she said that she heard them arguing one point and said that Quentin just really creeped her out. And just like Jessica's case, the bulk of evidence linking Quentin to her mur to Mandy's murder comes from phone calls and also ATM transactions. So cops believe that she was tortured and murdered inside of her apartment between 5.22 p.m. and 8.16 p.m. on July 29th, 2015. After she gave him her PIN number, they believe that he is the one who called Chase Bank, so that was her bank, to check the balance on her account. And after that, it was there was two calls that just like were immediately hung up. And then after that, there was two more 
to get the the phone entered, you know, the debit card number and the pin, you know, all the stuff you enter when you mm-hmm. call. And according to the phone records, because, of course, they're going to pull that, they saw that his phone was within 60 meters of her apartment. So right fucking there. And the next day, he asked his mother-in-law's neighbor to take a, quote, blue Chase debit card with a Chinese name on it, end quote, to an ATM and take out $2,000. He asked his mother-in-law? His mother-in-law's neighbor. And the neighbor told police. So he married? I don't know. Maybe. Gross. And so the neighbor took the card to the ATM and checked the balance, but ultimately decided to not withdraw the money. And good on them for fucking telling the police. Like, Yeah, that's conspiracy to commit a crime. Yes. But there was a withdrawal in Vicksburg, Mississippi for $400 the following day on August 1st. And phone records indicated that he was in Vicksburg at that time. So y'all can guess who made that withdrawal. Quentin. Yes. Then more than two weeks later, back in Monroe, an ATM camera captured him making withdrawals on three consecutive days beginning on August 17th. And of course, police are like, what the fuck? He told them that he got the debit card from a drug dealer named Jay and that he changed his story later on and said he got it from, quote, a crackhead named Kenny. Okay, I'm so confused. Like the likelihood that you're going to get a debit card of somebody you know and have been confirmed seen with from a crackhead named Kenny is it's unfathomable. Like that's the, Mm -hmm. the no. And then in a turn of events. Oh, yeah. So he was married, actually. So he was married. I don't know where the fuck she was during all this, but whatever. She excited about the $400 he bringing home. <laughs> or she has no idea. Who knows? I hope that's it. I do, too. So she has this cousin named Eric Hill, and he decided to go talk to the police. And he said that while he was giving a dude, this dude named Curtis Lemons, a tattoo, he said that he confessed to killing a, quote, Chinese girl by ULM, which is that university. And that stupid motherfucker, Quentin, got caught using her debit card, end quote. And so they, they do a lineup. They get this guy, right? The Lemons guy. But when they give him a photo of Quentin, he says he's never seen him. So that's kind of confusing. Because they learn that basically Eric was his cousin by marriage, and they hung out all the time. Right, and his name is Eric? Mm-hmm. That's suspicious. Mm-hmm. And so cops are like, bitch, you're full of shit, right? And then Eric admits that he was he was full of shit, and he just blamed fucking Curtis because he was mad at him. <laughs> like, what? And then he fesses up that Quentin had told him some intimate details of a crime that lines up with what happened to Mandy. And cops cleared Curtis. So, okay, with this case, there's obviously the the stolen debit card and the murder, right? So in cases like this, the smaller charge is easier to take to court and prosecute first, especially because it's like, if we got something that can hold this motherfucker till we get ready for the big thing, we're going to do that. 
You know, we see it all the time with like traffic stops, things like that. Well, yeah. And it's it's so easy to be like, well, he's either been convicted or has been charged with stealing her fucking debit card. Yes. You have to get that from the person. Exactly. So he was he was charged for the debit card and he was sentenced to 10 years in prison for that. Right. Mm hmm. And the murder warrant for his arrest for Mandy's case came after he had already been extradited back to Mississippi for Jessica's case. So he had not been an- indicted by a grand jury for Mandy's murder at that time. Flash fucking forward. Tons and tons and tons and tons of delays for Mandy's case for that trial. You know, COVID, whatever the fuck else. Right. Like delay, 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 delay. Can't even tell you how many articles I saw that were like delayed again delayed again. I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ, this is ridiculous. So in the most recent update on this one, he was supposed to go to trial just a few days ago on August 29th of 2022. But of course, this has been delayed yet again. And now he is supposed to go to trial for Mandy's murder on October 24th of this year. With all of this, he was granted a bench trial by the 4th Judicial District Court Judge Larry Jefferson. And Jefferson gave him a $300,000 bond for this case. Are you fucking kidding me? That's so low. Yeah. It's murder. Yeah, murder's supposed to be a mill out the gate. Exactly. It's that high because <laughs> this is the thing, guys. They put it in a million because who the fuck has got $100,000 just to throw like, away on bail? Exactly, exactly. And in a lot it's of just, states, you don't fucking mm. get that money back. If you're acquitted, no. you don't get the money you put down back in a lot of exactly. states. Exactly. Not all states. Some states you do. I don't live in one of those. Yeah, I don't I don't know for Louisiana slash Mississippi, I'm not sure. But yeah, so that's where we're at, unfortunately. It's limbo in the waiting game. Not only does Jessica not have justice? But at this point, Mandy doesn't either. So I, I am going to keep an eye on it. And I will let you guys know if you would like an update. Hopefully they do go to court next month in October because it's September now. But we will see. It's just very heartbreaking because it was two young women who had like so much of their lives. Like Jessica was 19 and Mandy was 34. You know, and it's just like it's worrisome. Like, how it seems like all that's happening to Quentin is like little slaps on the wrist. And that's always frustrating as fuck. I mean, we've seen that happen. We, we've we seen people who like we a thousand percent know they did it. Just like get to walk away. And then people who you're like questionable whether they did it go to jail. Or people we know in it who are innocent have gone to jail. Mm hmm. It's just fucking frustrating all around, but I just hope that both of these women can have justice one day because it just, it's, it pisses me off so fucking much. But, oh, anyways, well, that is going to go ahead and wrap us up for today. Yeah. Hopefully you're as mad as we are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that's really all I got to say about that. But, but thank you guys for listening. And with that, we will go ahead and sign off and we'll see you back on Thursday. Bye, guys. Toodles. Toodles.